This is the Police Canine Training Podcast with Jeff Meyer. Join us for each episode to get real-world advice from canine professionals who have experience on the street. Each episode will focus on up-to-date information that you can use on the street. Spend about 30 minutes with us each week as part of your training day. Our goal at Police Canine Training is to make every canine team be the best they can be. Hello and welcome to the Police Canine Training Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today's topic that I want to talk about, I don't have any guests with me, I just wanted to talk a little bit about resumes. Um, police work, obviously, is um, basically integrity-based. We have a tremendous amount of power in our profession, and we are expected to be of utmost uh, integrity. Everybody that's been in the dog world knows that the business side of the dog world oftentimes isn't uh, the best best in that, that market. Um, things get a little shady, buying and selling dogs. We all understand that. Um, we have to kind of play that game. But it doesn't mean that we have to accept it in all forms. And where I'm going today is from the time that I started uh, Police Canada Magazine years ago and the time that I worked with HITS and picked instructors and, and to come to HITS and doing these podcasts and stuff, I've looked over and read lots of backgrounds of different people in our industry. And I wanted to talk a little bit today basically about either you want to call them fake or misleading resumes, um, whatever polite term you want to put. But there's a lot of resumes out there, and we all know it from some people who want to be part of our industry and indeed are part of our industry. And they have resumes that um, when you really dig into them, don't add up to what with uh, what what they're claiming, or at least what their um, the illusion of their resume is trying to make, if that makes sense. So, I think I've probably am a little more sensitive to it, just because, like I said, for the last you know twenty years or so, when I'd have uh, uh, people even wanting to write articles from a magazine, I did the best I could to kind of uh, eliminate people that maybe sh- you know shouldn't have been part of the industry. I think it's a little tricky sometimes because there's a lot of well-known people that have been part of the industry for a long time, and they they do very good work. So we want them around. They're easy to research and stuff. But we also want new ideas, and we want new people around. So just because a person is new and upcoming in the industry doesn't mean that they're not, you know, shouldn't be around or shouldn't be able to write articles or teach at big events or come on podcasts. But when you don't have as long of a background, it gets a little trickier just to make sure that the people are who they say they are and and, and just as importantly, the credentials that they're um, touting are actually real credentials. So I've gotten kind of good at it over the years, and I can kind of read through resumes, and I can spot some pretty quick BS right away. And I wanted to give a few examples for people. So if you're in a class and the person lists up their resume, you might see some of this. Or... If you're trying to select a new vendor and they're listing their qualifications for, you know, either their training or their, uh, you know, their ability to sell dogs or buy and sell dogs. And you see some of these red flags I'm going to talk about. Maybe it'll just give you a little more pause to think, you know, I'm going to check into it and and just see, uh, you know, if, is this a person I want to deal with? And unfortunately, you know, I'm sure in every industry that this kind of stuff is extremely common, people inflating their resumes. Unfortunately, um, it's somewhat common in our industry. Um, I don't see that many purely fake 
resumes, just a person who's never, ever done X, Y, Z and claims they did. And then that's pretty easy to check out that, you know, they're completely lying about that. So I don't see that many of those. And when they do pop up, um, there's so many people that will instantly call BS on it. And those people usually are, you know, try to bounce into our industry and then they're gone right away and they're off selling insurance or, or not, not like insurance is a bad thing, but they're just off to a totally different line of work because it didn't work with us, you know? So maybe they're the people who are ringing the doorbell trying to sell steaks out of the back of their truck or something. I don't know, but, but they come and, they come and go. Luckily, you know, those with the complete lies, um, aren't around often and they're never around very long, but very common are the people who have either exaggerated their, their skills and their resume and their experiences or they've overstated them. So a lot of these people, one of the things that they do a lot is they'll use um, partial truths to legitimize themselves or their company. So an example, years ago, we had a, uh, a civilian company in, uh, I don't even think they were from our state, but they were in our area and they had asked um, to come by at a training event we had and they wanted to demonstrate a product that they had. The demonstration was how to use the product, why the product was valuable. And we let them come to a, an event we had where there were several agencies there. When I looked later um, at their website, they had put on there that they that they conducted training at this event. They named the event, the date, the location, everything. They didn't come to conduct training. We had trainers there that were doing it. They asked to stop by and demo a product. I guess you could look at how when they explained how their product worked that indeed they were doing training. Their product was uh, crap, basically. Nobody was really interested in it. It's not a product you can buy anymore. Um, but as a young company, they were trying to legitimize what they did that day by claiming that there was five or six agencies that they had all that they had trained then. And if you didn't know and you were just looking at it, it's like, oh, okay, you know, they're looking pretty good because they're, they're doing all this training. So, those are, I see that quite a bit, those kind of things where they maybe have spent a brief moment in time, uh, you know, either a trainer, a brief moment of time with a group, and then all of a sudden they claim to have trained the entire group, you know, something like that. So that's an example of how people are, will exaggerate what they did. And um, those are easy to check out. You know, if you see something like that and you're looking at a company like that, call a couple of those departments that they're, they're listing saying, that they did something and most of those departments say, I don't even know who you're talking about. And then, you know, jog their memory. Oh yeah, that guy was there for 20 minutes, two years ago. I didn't know I was on his website. So I can tell you over the years, um, after, you know, more than 30 years, I saw my department's, uh, you know, logo and, and stuff show up on quite a few websites that I know for a fact, um, we hadn't dealt with. Now maybe one handle in the unit bought one item from them or something and told them where they worked. And then the next thing you know, it was being represented that, you know, our entire department was using them. So very common. Um, I think it's, it's not uh, uh, truthful. It's not a direct lie because again, they, they just over, over exaggerate a small snippet of truth and then try to act like they're, you know, they're, they're bigger than what they are. Another uh, time I witnessed something similar to that was we had a person come and decoy for a single training day at, uh, we were doing certifications and we had different agencies and stuff. Well, then on that uh, person's training, they were uh, 
they were trying to be start doing training for uh, police agencies. Well, then all of the agencies that were there, whether he, the person had actually decoyed for one of their dogs or not, was listed as like a customer of their, um, you know, the services because he'd list his services all together, training, consulting, whatever. And it clearly looked like all these different agencies had done business deals with this person. That person was in and out of the, the industry pretty quickly because they did a lot of kind of stuff like that that was pretty easy to spot. And, uh, you know, all the agencies pretty much called him and said, take us off your website. So, but when you see, you know, a brand new company that has very little track record, but they list a whole bunch of uh, different agencies or people or events that they have worked at, um, check into those events. Another thing that I've seen a bunch over the years and I've witnessed several times is having been involved with uh, HITS for so many years from the first, from the very first year to last year before I, I left the company. Um, and I did a lot of the, the marketing for the company, you know, I was intimately involved in every aspect of the instructors. I see quite a few times and have heard and had instructors tell me how they taught at HITS. And it's like, I've never met you before. And if you had taught there over those years, I would have remembered you. Or or if I forgot, I would look up and check the lists that I've kept over all the years. And indeed, they hadn't. But that's just one of those things where people, if they say, you know, I taught at this, this big event or that event, and it was six, seven years ago, you know, talk to the people who run that event. Ask them, you know, did the person do that? And were you happy with them or whatever? Uh, again, people that are are stretching for things, you know, will just uh, try to tie their name. And they'll put it in, sometimes they'll put it in a uh, uh, kind of a guarded way. So it'll, it'll, at first glance, it'll look like they instructed there. But then when you read it more, it's like, no, actually, I just attended there and, you know, talked to people when I was there or something. So again, these people will, they're kind of, some of them are wordsmiths and they'll they'll figure out a pretty good way to uh, carefully word things. Um, so, you know, here's a, here's a real common example of how people will carefully word things. And I've seen this variation in, in quite a few different things, but something to the effect of like, I knew, uh, I knew right away that I wanted to get into canine. The first time I witnessed what the dogs could do in, uh, for special forces during a deployment in Afghanistan. You know, you, you hear something like that or you read something like that and you think, wow, now that person was in Afghanistan and obviously maybe they weren't part of special forces, but they were a soldier and saw what special forces did with their dogs. And you're starting to think, all right, that person's been downrange, done some stuff. But really, you know, does it, does, if the person was in combat and they saw what the dogs would, had done or they were part of special forces, wouldn't their resume simply say, the dates they were, you know, in, in theater or the dates they were in the military. And I served on this special forces on these dates and I was a canine handler. It wouldn't be a weird worded paragraph like that. And what those paragraphs, usually when you dig into them, you know, once you look a little bit, you maybe end up talking to the person, then, you know, you'll get the person usually to admit that really, well, I watched uh, the Navy SEAL TV show on TV and I really liked it, and that really motivated me to get into canine training. So when they wrote it again, when they say, you know, I wanted to get into to canine training the first time I witnessed how the dogs worked with the special operations in Afghanistan, well, that's, that's true, but 
they know that when you read it, that's not what you're thinking. They, they're they saying, uh, obviously, the, the truth is they watched it on TV and decided they were going to buy a Malinois and start training them and then hang their shingle out. But they, they're not going to list that. So the point of, of this here, what I'm talking about, is that the people who have done legitimate work in you know, either for departments or for the military or whatever it is, what part of our sector, it's a pretty straightforward thing to, to write. You know, I, on my resume, I write that I worked for the Denver Police Department for 33 and a half years. And I put the number of years I was a dog handler, the number of years I was a trainer. It doesn't need to be carefully worded. It kind of speaks for itself. And then, you know, if people want to know more, I'll talk about the classes I went to, how my training has evolved over those years that to show that I'm still learning and I'm still still gaining knowledge. So it's not just a number that, that can be impressive. It has to be the whole body of work. But there shouldn't be anything that is so carefully worded that when you really start reading it, it's like, well, really, what does that mean? Most people with a legitimate resume don't have to write in very carefully worded paragraphs. They'll simply write in something like that. So, you know, once once you dig into them a little bit, you know, what we do isn't that complicated. So really, if it's not a made up resume, it's going to be pretty simple and pretty straightforward talking about here's here's where I'm certified. Here's where I went to my canine schools. Here's what I did. Here's the number of years I've done it. Here's the year I started. Here's when I retired, whatever. Those are real easy to read. There's nothing straightforward or nothing that's not straightforward about them. Um, there's not a double double wordings to them to where they can easily have a back door when you call them on it and say, well, I never said I was in Afghanistan. I just said I liked what I saw and, you know, I actually saw it on TV. So now they've got their back door. But if somebody says I worked for XYZ department from 19, you know, 80 to 19, you know, 99, that's, that's a fact or it's not. They either did or they didn't. So those are the ones, those are the resumes that I kind of like something with some concrete uh, stuff on them that is true. And those are easy that if you find out those aren't true, then that's a person that's lying and you just don't want to deal with them. So, you know, another red flag is, is these people, uh, a lot of times will stretch the truth again, carefully wording different things to tie themselves to, to major events. So like one that I remember was a handler that, that listed that he was the only, uh, team selected for a major event canine team you know what he meant was he was the only i think he said only handler selected to be part of a major event well i knew what the major event was and it was not something that we needed dogs for at all so none of the other dog teams were going to be involved in this major event but this handler was pulled from his regular duties and tasked with very mundane things like driving buses or you know uh, vehicles for some of the SWAT officers or running supplies or kind of being an assistant and they needed a body to do that so they pulled him off of canine for this major event and then thought that uh, that would be the 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 you know he wrote in there that he was the only one selected for this major event when you read it it sounded like for that major event they needed to have a, you know a SWAT uh, assistant or a dog there or something had nothing to do with that. It was, it was very much a stretch of the truth. It was true. He was the only one that was selected for it, 
but it was also, you know, based on seniority and some other ideas. So it wasn't that uh, he he had to, you know, he, he was so special and needed for something like that. So I've seen those types of red flags quite a few times. And again, they're, you know, if they were, if, if they were actually needed, you know, then they, they would list on there, I was part of this event and here's what I did during this event. So it's not that, uh, you know, when, when it's carefully worded like that, then you can ask them. And if you read that, you know, I was only a handler selected for XYV event. Well, what did you do there? And I've seen that, you know, over the, the years, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, Columbine High School was, you know, one of the first, probably the first school shooting deals. And it was in our area. Over the years, I have seen many, many of these types of individuals want to tie themselves into all different uh, parts of that event and inflate what they did, if they did indeed do anything at Columbine. And I think that's kind of hero- uh, you know, horrendous to, to take a horrible tragedy like that and then try to build your resume based on what you did at that event. And I can tell you from you know knowing a lot about that event, um, most of the people that are out there touting all the, the great stuff they did during that event did not. And I think that would probably be the same for, you know, most large scale events. The the people who do a lot of the work um, don't really want to keep reliving it all the time. And they're not going to make the talk show circuit and keep talking about it. So um, when you see a resume and you see somebody who, you know, that have been that have been involved in and they list all the different major events, you know, the, the shootings or the active shootings and all the different things that they've done. And, uh, you know, you start wondering, you know, how, did, how why was this person at all those? And now a lot of times they're, they will list that they were part of something and they weren't even in that agency at the time. But, you know, th- somewhere maybe they responded later to help out with calls or something like that. But they'll list how during that event they were they were part of it. So it's it's always those those that, again, if a person was really involved in that, then they would simply just say, you know, this is what I did and this is, this is why I did it then. So it's, it's pretty cut and dried on a lot of those, you know, and you could always, you could always ask, you know, what, what, what they were doing there. So, so again, when uh, these guys that are listening, that they've been all over the place at every big event from coast to coast, a lot of times all you can do, all you have to do is put their name in, in Google and, uh, you know, they're not going to come up. Uh, they're because they're they they haven't done much. So they've got to inflate that they're traveling the world. You know, saving the world one one big event at a time with their you know whatever type of dog they have. Um, so finally, I just want to talk about you know the longest resumes are not always the best. Uh, I just read something online and I thought it was a, a great line. I'm going to steal it. So whoever thought this up, I apologize. Do not give you credit. I just can't don't know where it came from. But basically, it, it the the thought of it is that 30 years of a trainer is is impressive if the person's been learning a lot and changing their stuff but one year as a trainer repeated 30 years in a row is not that impressive and those are the ones again that when you read their resume you can figure that out you can see that that they're doing exactly what they did 30 years ago their pictures will show old school training no new technology. They aren't. Uh, they haven't changed anything. They aren't listing any schools. And when you talk to them, you ask them about, you know, some of the newer training that's come out in the last five, six, seven years, and ask them what they think of it. They will dismiss it out of hand, because what they've done for thirty years has always worked, and they're not going to change a thing. So, you know, it'd be an example of that. If if you're if you go to somebody and they're uh, 
training a dog to recall and they're using any type of long line 50 foot lead 30 foot lead or whatever and letting the dog hit the end of that long line they have not evolved and that's just an easy example there are so many better ways to train a dog to recall than to do something like that but you know i see some of these one-year trainers that have repeated for the last 25 30 years doing exactly what they were doing 30 years ago so be suspicious you know ask some questions research a little bit you know i just think there's there's a lot of room for improvement in a lot of the different ways that uh, um, that we look at our industry and we can hold some of these people accountable you know not even to be we don't have to be confrontational but just don't do business with them don't uh, don't support them you know if they have a business don't uh you know go to classes with them you know try to you know we need we can clean up our own industry simply by not um letting people do these little sneaky things you know it's kind of the undercoating on the cars type type personality and and they're out there in every profession so you know and if this podcast if if you're one of the people who has a a resume doing the stuff that i listed and it offends you good you know, it doesn't bother me. I, I, uh, those people, I do my very best not to deal with them over the years. I can tell you, I have made that mistake. I've, I had a few articles in my magazine when I still owned it, that if I could have taken it back, I certainly would have had a few instructors here and there that in hindsight, it's like, yeah, wish I didn't have that person. And definitely I've probably, uh, you know, in more recent past, I've had a podcast guest or two, but know that I'm out here working for you guys and I'm trying my best to, to eliminate, you know, those types of people. And I almost always err on the side of, you know, I'll just find a different guest, somebody that uh, checks out a little bit better. So uh, no, no uh, uh, advertisers on this podcast. I thought in case uh, this thing pisses people off, I didn't want to tie this podcast to any of my advertisers. So this one's just, uh, just a little bit food for thought. I'm anxious to hear what, uh, you know, what some of the feedback is and see if uh, people have had the same type of experience and uh, what you guys think of it. So thanks for listening. And if you need anything, I'm easy to contact uh, jeffmeyer1 at outlook.com. And my uh, new website for my new company is policecaninetraining.net. I've got all the classes that I'm uh, doing there. And very soon we'll have uh, uh, a lot more information about our uh, Colorado uh, conference that we're going to be putting together over the summer. So we'll have that information out real soon. You'll be seeing a lot of information about that. It's going to be a good time. Going to bring in a lot of great instructors here to Colorado in the middle of the summer and do a a really nice event. So I'll have more information on that. But uh, please give me some feedback on this uh, topic, see what you guys all think of it. And uh, also, if you have any subjects that you want me to talk about or people you want me to interview, I appreciate that feedback too. So thanks, everybody. Be safe.